Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Anything you want to share with us this morning, anything happening over the weekend, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And talking about events happening over the weekend, saddened to see and read from the Grand Hotel in Formoy, a post on their social media saying it is with heavy hearts and much reluctance that we say goodbye to the Grand Hotel in Formoy. Over the past 12 years, we've had tremendous support from our amazing and loyal staff, our suppliers and our fabulous customers. Thank you for the good times and even through the tough times we have learned so much. We take great memories of Formoy with us. It, it's not how we hoped things would turn out and despite our our best efforts. We have ceased trading on Sunday, the 10th of November. And that's, uh, there will be a lot of people very, very upset by that. And I always feel for a town that loses its last hotel because hotels have, have a tendency to be almost like the heartbeat of a town. Because, you know, if you think about it, if you go into an area that you don't know and you're trying to meet somebody, the obvious one is to find out, well, you know, what's what's the most popular hotel? And in many cases in, in rural Ireland, there will only be one hotel. Oh, I'll meet you at the hotel. And local people certainly would have used that hotel over the years. So that comes with um, sad, sad news, the closure of the Grand Hotel in Formoy and of course across the weekend all of the various world wars were remembered at least we forget and today of course is an important day when we're remembering world wars because it's Armistice Day today the 11th of November and today is the day is used to mark the signing of the end of the First World War and it was on the 11th of the 11th uh, that they signed uh, the armistice agreement that ended the war, the war that was meant to end all wars. But of course, it didn't. We went on then to have the Second World War. And there's a lovely story making the times today. And I read about this earlier in the year. The Irish Examiner had a piece on this as well. It's about three Irish brothers who died while serving in the Canadian Air Force during the Second World War and they were remembered yesterday at a memorial service in Belgium. They were Edward Harry and Frank Sheehan and they have a Cork connection because they all were born in Formoy and they were killed, the three brothers were killed in separate bombing missions during the Second World War and the service yesterday was organised by the Irish in Europe group and they held the service at the grave of Edward Sheehan and that grave is in a place called Heverly War Cemetery in Leuven in Belgium. Irish and Canadian flags were laid at the grave along with a maple leaf which of course is the symbol of uh, Canada but representing the Irish Defence Forces was Brigadier General Gerard Buckley. The brothers were all sons of James and Mary Ellen Sheehan who were from Formoy and they had a bakery in Formoy. The family emigrated to Canada in 1925 now that was uh, following the War of Independence and the Civil War and they set up home in Vancouver 
1926. All three brothers joined the Royal Canadian Air Force at the start of the Second World War. The first to die was the youngest. That was Harry. He was just 24. And he was killed when his Lancaster plane was shot down over the Netherlands on the 12th of May 1943. Five months later, Frank, aged 26, died when his Lancaster bomber was shot down in Germany. And then the last to die was Edward, whose grave the ceremony was held yesterday. He was 29. He was the eldest of the brothers and he was killed in April of 1944 when his plane, he was crashed, his plane was shot down in Belgium. He left behind a widow and a child that he never saw. Goodness me. And the event organiser, Dennis Buckley, said he first came across the story following research by Irish historian Damien Shields, who had written extensively about the Irish who fought in both of the World Wars and in the American Civil War. Mr Shields reckons that the Sheehan family may be the only Southern Irish family who lost three sons in the Second World War. And then the Sheehan's family loss would have been further compounded by the fact that Mary Ellen Sheehan, the mother, died during the war but before her three sons were killed in action. So for her, she went to her grave not knowing that she was going to be quickly followed to the grave by her her three boys. So, so sad. But good to know that they were remembered. Uh, And I don't know if the Sheehan family, because they emigrated, as they say, in 1925, they emigrated to Canada. But you would assume that there are still family members of the Sheehan family still living in for Moy and no doubt they remember the three boys but such a sad sad story and as I say it is making the the Irish Times today in a piece written by Ronan McGreevy and I think for the day that's in it on the 11th of November 2019 we remember them as well. Now coming up on the programme this morning we are going to speak with Cork businessman Pat O'Connell famous as the, the fishmonger uh, in the uh, English market uh, and Pat joins us to discuss what is a new phrase for me but it's been called organised delinquency and my fear is that we're going to be hearing about and reporting a lot more on organised delinquency whereby I don't know if it was a WhatsApp post or a Snapchat was sent around to young people giving them details of what they were to wear and make sure you've balaclavas on so that you, you know, no one can identify you and where they were all going to meet up. And then they were storming down Patrick Street in Cork on Friday evening. We believe with the intention that they would storm a shop. And of course, if you get a 100 young people, say all dressed in black, wearing balaclavas, storming into a shop, the security in that shop will hasn't a hope in hell of fighting off a hundred young people who come in, grab what they want and then they're gone. And it's this organised delinquency and these events, and I say events very loosely in inverted commas, incidents and what what you would call them, crimes. The, there was one, I don't know if it was last weekend or last week in London, I'm sure it was in Tottenham in London, where a sports shop where they did something similar. And I think I read that it happened in Europe as well. So it looks like this is a kind of a new thing for young people to get involved in and we need to clamp down on it. Now, it does look like the guy reacted very, very quickly. 
I don't know. We'll see if we can find out. Do they have some kind of a tip-off in advance and were they lying in wait for them? But they dispersed the young people. Now, as far as I know, nobody was uh, arrested. But again, we're going to go back and the issue is going to be raised of parental responsibility because by, by all accounts, many of these were young people were or teenagers should have been at home. Do the parents know what they were getting up to? And I'm sure the majority of the parents did not know what their young people were getting up to. But did were any of the parents, did any parents question their young people when they came home on Friday evening asking them were they involved in this event but the fear from the business people in the city centre the fear is that will there be another one of these events organised and what can businesses do to protect themselves and then I was talking to somebody at the weekend an elderly person who was making the point when we were talking about it she would be fearful of going into the city for fear something like this could happen. So businesses could lose out even if an event doesn't happen. But the fear factor, if more of them happen, the fear factor would be that some people might be afraid to venture in or people with, you know, young young children. I mean, I could, I could imagine the fright I would get if I myself was walking down and you saw this this gang of like a hundred young people all dressed in black wearing granny clavers coming against you or if you were in the store when they ran in it would put the fear of God in you so we're going to be discussing that and we welcome your thoughts and comments I don't know if anybody any of our listeners were, were was in the city when it's happened or they heard of somebody that was in the city when it happened I'd love to get somebody who was actually there to try to describe what exactly it was uh, like. We're also going to hear about what changes are needed to the to the disabled drivers and passengers scheme. This is a special scheme that's in place for disabled drivers or if you are a companion or you have a child with a disability and you need to adapt the car and you get there are special financial incentives for people because it can be quite costly to get the adaptations on the car. As far as I know, they don't have to pay road tax and they get the VAT. Isn't that the case from their fuel uh, as well? But we're going to hear from one local politician who feels it needs to be tweaked because there were a cohort of people who are not entitled to get involved in this scheme. So is it a scheme that was put in place many, many years ago that now needs to be relooked at? So we will discuss that on the programme today. Half of the people in Cork who have diabetes are walking around undiagnosed. And we're going to find out a little bit more about that. And I think the most important one is how dangerous is it to be living with diabetes if you don't know you have diabetes? What are the dangers? What are the long term implications of having an undiagnosed been undiagnosed with diabetes and diabetes is also on the increase. We are hearing more and more about people getting diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Is that a wake up call for all of us? Do we all need to look at our diet and our exercise regime to make sure into the future that we don't become one of the stats of the number of people who get diagnosed with diabetes. And this is all in advance of World Diabetes Day. And Brendan Sands of the Get Up and Go Diaries is going to be joining us. We have an annual chat with Brendan when he's delivering the Get Up and Go Diaries for 2020. We've been having a chat with him now for many, many years and such a positive guy. And these diaries are just 
wonderful. They're just like a breath of fresh air. They're gorgeous and colourful and they come with wonderful messages and we all need positivity in our lives. And anything we can do to push forward positivity, I always welcome it. So we'll chat with Brendan later on in the programme today. And it's, it is Monday, so what does that mean? Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic joins us to answer all of your nutritional questions. On that gang of youths on the city streets in Cork on Friday evening, a texter said, do those gangs of youngsters, do they travel from Dublin? Was that the rumour? I didn't hear that they had travelled from Dublin because there was text messages going around. Um, I think they, it was a Twitter. Was it around Twitter? It was going, it was being shared. Anyway, there was a text or a WhatsApp or a Snapchat was being shared and it was called the JD Cork City Robbery. And they were asking people to meet at half five at McDonald's on Patrick Street on Friday evening and it was the dress code is this is what it said in the text message you must wear all black with bala bali balaclava and gloves you will only have one minute to yam that shop this is at your own risk don't come if you can't run don't come in uniform uh, and it was sent around so no uh, from what I could see it was what I heard about it I wasn't there but it seemed to have been all young people and I know the what the Gardaí seemed to have got wind of it seemed to have because they seemed to have reacted very very quickly uh, to it and they dispersed the young people but you know the thought pattern now and I certainly heard this discussed on Friday night and into Saturday that the the young people involved in the pre-planned attack should face the full rigours of the law but as far as I know they didn't as far as I know the Gardaí just dispersed them and kind of sent them all home they seem to be teenagers so it was like go home to your mothers and fathers would you please I think was the message we're going to be discussing it in a couple of minutes before that just a text in from Martin in from Moy when I mentioned the sad news of the Grand Hotel in Formoy closing at the weekend Patricia what a loss the Grand Hotel is going to be to the town of Formoy for such a so-called big and busy town this really is a severe blow yet another place to close in Formoy I've lived in Formoy all my life and the last 10 years or so it's been going downhill fast. The traffic is just brutal. There are too many lorries going through the town and not enough of them are using the toll road. As for the cars, well Patricia, they aren't all stopping in Formoy, that's for sure. Martin says, I feel the town is banjaxed and it is getting worse. And I will say the last couple of times I've been in Formoy during this year, it's the one thing I have noticed, the amount of traffic in the town really is incredible. It seems to be gridlocked at at times. And I have heard that on numerous occasions. In order to avoid paying the toll, people are still going through the town of Formoy. But that's not going to bring any business to the town's people. And it's certainly going to only discommode people who are coming in to Formoy to do any kind of business or people who live and work in Formoy to have all this traffic that is really only doing it to avoid paying a, to- a toll and there was never the idea when the road was built it was always hoped it would free up Formoy but nobody expected that so many would avoid paying the toll and instead head through the town which is a real, real shame. Thank you though for your text Martin to 0862 103 103. Egg foil and mock is C103 Air Kirkig. 
is Museum Alien and the Caraway and Crawford Art Gallery Gurkig. Nuri Hulan Tucci, Nadorsha, find to Tishkin Shart, Erin Rolls, Suntasuk, Tagus Nahark Alien, Satel, Agus Sukhal Turko, I'm sure. Tagnos Kun Rohiad Mila Kurtur, Night the Blian, Rigging Gallery, a hostage to Agree Lorna Karach, in Akalish Opera House. Sayer Kadishach, the Trish Fibli, to Spontish, Agus Baluhan Buon, Donis Mo, no Rovila Sayer. Nocta, quid denaniha, is Fari Gurkig, C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, as we've mentioned, traders in Cork fear organised delinquency could hit the retail sector in the run-up to Christmas and they've appealed for increased Garda numbers on the city streets. The calls came after Garda forged a suspected raid on a sportswear shop in the city centre by around 100 youths on Friday evening. Now, we are hoping to speak with Pat O'Connell, former president of the Cork Business Association, but he's after getting a fish delivery, so he's been a little bit delayed. So while we're waiting uh, for Pat to join us, uh, John O'Donovan uh, joins us on the programme. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. Now, How are you? I'm very well. Firstly, were you in the city centre on Friday evening? No, not on Friday, but it was in town on Saturday, right? And that's door, Patricia. The perception has gone out, I know, you see, you know, that the city is not being policed, right? And it's feeding right into this criminality. And even on Saturday, there was nine guards. There was four of the riot squad. Uh, one was uh, in the van, or two were in the van, and the Grand Parade side. And on the Patrick Street side, there was two more. And then there was four fully uniformed guards protecting the front of that store. And I spoke to one of them, and they said there was a rumour that they were going to try it again on Saturday. So that meant the second city in the Republic of Ireland, which has not been policed properly, you know, Patricia, that guards, imagine, eight guards, imagine, four members of the riot squad, had to actually protect that store on Saturday as well, all day long. This is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, in 1970, when I was a hell of a lot younger, uh, the city was being policed properly, and it's not being policed anymore, which is as simple as that. And it's, it's, well, it's not good enough. And the perception position is out there. And it, 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 it's, good. It, it's, good. it's going to affect uh, the economy. Like, I mean, you have two economies running side by side. You have the day economy, you have the night economy. I know people won't go in at night because they feel that they're under threat by people that are under the influence of drugs and drink and that the city is not a safe place because there's not a gas to be seen. No, the daytime economy for this year has been affected because people's perception is no that there's roving gangs going around and people, elderly people especially, spoke to some people as late as, uh, as yesterday, and they said that uh, they're not going to go into town anymore, no, because they feel they're not safe. Well, I mean, I, I, I said it earlier, if I was in anywhere, in any city, in any town, and a yeah. hundred teenagers dressed uh-huh. completely in black, wearing balaclavas, came running down the street or came running into the store I was in, it would put the fear of God in me. It would, but you see, the perception is out and out, but she coming in the back, which was a very serious incident, as you know, on the bus with that female driver yeah. only a week ago, yeah. who was threatened to be uh, beaten. And they were, they were teenagers. They were. And the who, who, by, by the way, can I say, were removed from that bus and put onto another bus. Yeah, I, I would have had him out on the side of the road and say, off you go, make your own way home. Well, there was, there was a time when that, uh, you see, this is down into resource, resources again, you see, Patricia. There was a time with that bus now, they would be left on that bus, like a guard would, would take the driver off the bus, a guard would drive that bus, and it would be followed by uh, a squad car in front and a squad car behind, and that bus would be taken into the nearest guard station. Those people would be vetted, and they would, their names and addresses would be taken, and possibly their parents called in. Right, but nothing like that was done. They were sent on their merry way. Again, there was no arrest on Friday night. 
And again, as I said, you had the ring of steel around that store on Saturday. This is not good enough, like, that a store on a Saturday, I mean, coming up to Christmas, has to be protected by four members of the riot squad and four members of Uniform Gardaí. It's not good enough. Somebody texted us saying that they had heard the rumour that these teenagers were from Dublin. But I certainly over the weekend um, I'm led to believe that they were local. Uh, local. No, 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 no. The, the, they were the, local. The, the, the world underground protesters, they were all uh, local. Local, local and, teenagers, yeah, yeah because and, and they, the, that message went around to people. And the, fr- the frightening part as well from what I was told by a source that some of, some of the people that were in there were actually some of the members that were on the actual bus that threatened that female driver. Oh, so this yeah. is really getting out of hand. Like, and okay, I, I stay, stay I, there I, because Pat O'Connell, I, I want to bring Pat in because uh, Pat O'Connell joins me because he's a former president of the Cork Business uh, Association. And as we've been discussing, its businesses are really going to lose out uh, on this one. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning. Um, I, I'm very well. Were you aware of what was going on on Friday night? Were you, were you around the city centre at the time? We were, but I mean, we just heard that there was gangs of youth basically running up and down and did the Gardaí react quickly? They did, but I think the main problem is that there's not enough Gardaí on the ground at the present, and that has been flagged at numerous meetings um, with City Hall and the Gardaí. Um, and we're just hearing that they're not getting their quota from Templemore. Well, I know only last week I did an interview with uh, Jonathan O'Brien, and we spoke about the fact that less than 3% of the new recruits have so far been stationed in what is the second largest city in the country. Absolutely, and it's a city with 250,000 people now. So, I mean, you know, two or three Gardaí and at the weekends are, you know, having no presence on the street, on our main streets is is a big issue and it's a concern because, you know, do we have to wait until something goes radically wrong um, before we get our allocation? And is there an issue with teenagers and gangs hanging around particularly on the weekends is that a problem in the city or I think Winter Street has had a problem and again it was around McDonald's that the, this thing was gathering on, on Friday night or Friday evening um, so yeah look I mean teenagers have every right to come to town they don't have a right to start blocking up streets and causing mischief and, and you know just having a bit of thinking what's a bit of fun um, which is actually criminality and no one was arrested. And no one was arrested, which I just find absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's the one thing everybody's saying here. How can you know? How can they be allowed to get you know, to, like, to get mean, away with it? There's a severe lack of respect for our guardy, I think, at the moment. Um, and I suppose when you see that, you think, sure, what the hell? We're not going to be arrested anyway, or we're not going to get a slap on the wrist, or so let's do what we like. And and, and that's not good for society. I mean, you know, social media for media for all its incredible benefits. Has a nasty underbelly, and I think this is kind of part of what we're seeing now. It does, and the real worry is, uh, and I'm assuming, Pat, from business point of view, the fear is that these young lads, young girls, whoever they are, will try it again because we've seen it. It's worked. It was in Tottenham in London, was where the JG one started, the JG yeah, Sports one, the, where they went the in. I mean, well, you know, a hundred yeah, young people yeah. running into a store unannounced. There's no, not a hope that security men would be able to stop yeah, them. Yeah, but I mean, on top of that, like business has had a really horrific time over the last five, six years. And, um, you know, we had two more businesses again across the water going into um, receivership this week or last week. So, you know, I mean, retail is not strong at the moment. And um, we're now coming up to the busiest time of the year for many retailers and to define their, their profits or their losses for the year, really. So, you know, you don't need this kind of aggravation and this hassle and this concern 
um, and this lawlessness like at the moment Absolutely Alright listen Pat we appreciate that thank you for that and uh, thank you for, uh, for taking our call I had to put uh, John on uh, you there John I had to put you on hold yep, I was, yep, I was yep. noise in the background uh, Somebody suggested uh, John bring in the army well, you see, that's the last resort, position, like, because in, in any country, if you start bringing out the army, it gives the perception, then, I mean, that law and order completely has failed. There's no need to bring the, to involve the army in this. All we need is more Gardaí on the street. There was an allotment given there recently there, and the, the 14 we were supposed to get, which wasn't even enough, were uh, transported up to Dundalk, up where the criminality is happening there. But I, I, the people I blame are the Deputy Prime Minister, which we have living in our jurisdiction here, Simon Coveney, and the leader of the main opposition, Michal Martin. The, between the two, they got here. They're letting the second city, the city which they live in and reside in their families, they're letting us down. And, it, and I can see this thing actually getting worse, Patricia, because we already had a young man beaten into a coma there, and unfortunately he has died since, right? There are several incidents happening where people have been assaulted and it's not being reported because people are frightened that there might be some kind of blowback on it. And if this goes on, the perception will be out there, like, I mean, I mean, I, I, Pat O'Connell is right. You need teenagers to come into this home. We need people to spend their money and to socialise as well. They're entitled to come in. Not yeah, all and we all did like that as teenagers. We all, on a Saturday, yeah. met up with your friends and you went yeah. into town, you went into the city centre, but we didn't cause trouble. No, and you see but the like, s- someone is making the point. Sorry, Colin is making the point that it was reported uh, over the weekend that sorry? it was. Hello? It, it, can you hear me? It was reported at the weekend That's that happening. there was no. Uh, there's there's noise on that line. I, I let um, John go. There's uh, there's just too much noise on the line. There was Colin's making the point that there was a report over the weekend. There was one eyewitness who was on Patrick Street said a group of about thirty youths had gathered earlier. This was before they were all arranging uh, to meet up and began kicking bins and they were running around screaming. But they they decided dispersed once the Gardaí arrived uh, according to, to the eyewitness but none of those were arrested and that's the point that a lot of people are making the fact that no one was arrested including a WhatsApper saying Patricia this latest incident arranged by the young members of our society is it not proof that restrictions on parental control is now simply out of hand children need to know that there are boundaries that they need to adhere to spare the rod and spoil the child it needs to be re- reviewed it seems amazing that it was thwarted by the Gardaí and no one was arrested 1850 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 086 103 103 Hi Nick Richards here from C103's Afternoon Show Santa's on his way and he wants to talk to court kids Ho 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 I just can't wait to talk to you all on Cork's Greatest Hits C103. The countdown to the big day is on, so don't miss your chance to talk to the big man himself. It's so easy. Simply go to C103 and fill out the special entry form for your chance to get a Christmas call from Santa. Get ready for Santa's Christmas calls. I could be talking to you with Nick Richards in the afternoon only on C103. There's a lot of uh, calls and commentary coming in about that incident on Cork City and people just fearful of this what's been called organised delinquency what's gone wrong with our young people and where will it lead to I will come back to your uh, cause and comments there's a lot of commentary on it but I want to move on to a different issue because Fianna Fáil councillor James O'Connor has called for changes in the disabled drivers and disabled passengers scheme to cater for those with autism and those with sensory severe sensory disabilities councillor James O'Connor joins me for more on this good morning to you James 
Good morning, Patricia, and delighted to join you from Coffee Hall. Well, you're very welcome. Firstly, explain what this scheme is and how it operates at the moment. So, basically, the Disabled Drivers and Disabled Passengers Scheme has existed since the 1990s. It was first implemented in, I think, 1994, under uh, when Bertie Horn was actually Minister for Finance. And basically, the scheme was brought in to, to, for, for people who have dis- physical disabilities, such as if they're missing a limb uh, or other physical disabilities, that they need to get their vehicle, I suppose, adjusted for them when they're purchasing a vehicle. What happens then is they get some relief from the tax perspective, so when they're purchasing the vehicle, that they can get the VAT or the vehicle registration tax was affected by that, and they get tax relief um, uh, from that. So basically, to qualify for this scheme, you must get a, um, a medical document called the Primary Medical Certificate, which has to be approved by the HSC. So at the outset what I'm trying to do is for a lot of kids and for families out there who are caring for a loved one uh, who have um, who have severe cases of ASD and sensory, disabil- sensory disabilities and difficulties with their health that they can actually qualify for the primary medical certificate so they can avail of the scheme as it currently is. Because at the moment they don't. You either need to be missing a limb or be wheelchair bound. Basically, it's very, very rigid in, in, in its existing form, and that, that, that you, you, you basically summarise it very well there. There are some extreme cases where sometimes that it can actually be approved on appeal or a review from a HSE case, where they can be turned down previously for the primary medical certificate, but the existing legislation there is, is very, very difficult to actually to, to cater for this, and I'm asking for that to be changed. Like, it's overly rigid. That was actually described by the, the Ombudsman, Peter Tyndall. Um, yeah, I thought it was great to hear the, the Ombudsman is even agreeing with you. Yes, and you know, and he did describe it as a situation where it might be causing, I suppose, inequality and inequity to people just who are suffering from this. And you know, I think it's important for the listeners out there. Autism, as many people know, it can be a mixed blessing for many people. It can bring great challenges for for for, for those who have autism, and for others, then they can be gifted. They can be brilliant mathematicians. They can be the top performing students in our universities and in our in our third level institutes. I've come across many of them throughout my time in academia, and you know, there's other families in there out there. They are. So they're looking for help. There's massive queues there, Patricia, as you know, in yeah. uh, people waiting to get access to, to, to occupational therapists in our schools and early intervention treatment as well. And I think, you know, what really breaks my heart as a public representative being out there is what can we do? And this is something that would be quite easy to get changed. Yeah. I'm hoping to do, and I want to get it raised in the Shannon's in the coming weeks with the Minister for Health, and we're going we're gonna to try and get this legislation changed so that we can help families who, who are caring for a loved one with as severe yeah, and, and and you're right, you know, when you talk about people uh, who are on the autism spectrum and we celebrate the genius of them and it's only right that we celebrate the genius of, of people on the spectrum. But the other end of the scale, people who are severely autistic, many right. of those families can are living, sometimes it's almost like a prison sentence. I would, I would speak to parents who can't go outside the door with their son or daughter who's severely autistic and then they become adults and they're trying to cope with them as adults. And a vehicle to them is not a luxury. If they want to go anywhere with that child or that young adult, they need transport. They do, Patricia. And often, actually, what I found is from engaging with some of the families who are dealing with severe cases of it, that they've told me that, you know, the preferred vehicle for them to buy is a people carrier because they yeah. have other children as well. And that's just in case that the child experiences difficulties when travelling that in car, that in the car, it's, it's, it's important for them to have a suitable vehicle. But unfortunately, they can be extremely expensive. And I think we have to bear in mind for people out there, so many of our families in Ireland are forced to go private 
in terms of getting occupational therapy assessments done for their children and getting other, I suppose, healthcare that, that is out through the private system. And that, that, that comes in at enormous expense. And, you know, unfortunately, when there's two-year waiting list for early intervention and, and other, other, other treatments and other, other um, I suppose, the, 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 the things that are out there that can help uh, people with this condition, that, you know, they need to find uh, available resources. And this is a particular area I do feel that we could make a big difference uh, by not, not having to, to, to change an awful lot. And it basically what it is, it's just adjusting the, the existing criteria. Yeah, and it probably, won't, it probably won't cost that much. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the costings on it is, but it probably won't, uh, won't cost that much. Um, okay, so um, would you have heard when you were out campaigning on the campaign trail, was it an issue that was raised by families? On healthcare. It was the single biggest issue. I got feedback on the door. I well, knocked every door in the all in Middleton as many as I could, and you know, it struck actually personally struck me coming away from the election. I knew there was issues there with occupational therapy waiting waiting lists. Do you know, because occupational therapists they do very severe in minor cases. It could be something like a child with dyslexia or dyspraxia, uh, up up to to severe cases of, of I suppose sensory difficulties and, and autism. And you know, there is huge queues there. I was aware of that, but I wasn't. I wasn't fully aware until I got out there, met people, met families who were caring for loved ones, uh, how big of an issue this was, and I wanted to do the best I could. This was brought to my attention, and look, I'm delighted now that it's going to be raised in the Shannon. I'm working okay. on it for well done. well done, because actually I was you was reading in the papers today the numbers, I mean, they're they're entitled, the, the article I was reading, the title of it is A Stolen Childhood. They're talking about at least 86,625 children across the country are on hospital waiting lists to see a specialist. And it's nearly double the official figure of 46,000. I mean, it is just shocking. And this is for a child just to get their first outpatient appointment. God forbid then if something's discovered and it's bad news, they'll go on another list while they wait for treatment. Exactly, and you know, it's an incredibly enough. important piece of legislation, and this will help. Uh, I suppose a lot of families are out there, and you know, with the queues that are there, it's not good enough. There's a lot more that needs to be done. But look, from my own aspect as, as a county councillor and as a general election candidate, this is something that I, I'm willing to, to really put my shoulders to the wheel on. And look, I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to discuss it. And if there's any families out there who need assistance with anything to do with the primary medical certificate, be sure and get in contact. And thanks okay. for having me. All right, James, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Fianna Fáil uh, councillor James O'Connor. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lot of commentary in about this incident that happened on the streets of Cork City. Well, it was an incident that thanks to the Garda Armed Support Unit and the Garda Public Order Unit, they were called into the city streets amid concerns that a raid had been organised on social media. And uh, so they managed to get in there and had enough Gardaí. And when they spotted the youths running up and down uh, Patrick Street, the Gardaí moved in and they managed to disperse them all. OK, some of your thoughts on what happened. The listener says, Patricia, those idiots are thrill seekers. And by publicising the fact that they're putting the fear of God into shoppers, it's only fueling the buzz they want. I don't know what the solution is to this stupid new trend. Is it more Gardaí on the street? I have to ask what sort of parents produce such delinquent idiots. Idiots. What has ever happened to real parenting? 
Rob says, I'm sorry now, but there's no law against wearing a balaclava or back black clothes and that's what they were dressed in. So what could they be arrested for? We don't arrest Muslim women who wear the full black hijab, says uh, Rob. Well, I suppose people are wondering why they weren't arrested when eyewitnesses were saying that when they first started to gather, there was about 30 youths there and they were reported as kicking bins around and screaming. I mean, surely you could be pulled aside for that and uh, if not arrested, but certainly cautioned. I think that's what people are uh, saying. Hi Patricia, at the time of year when we remember those who fought and died to make this world a better place for these mindless idiots who haven't the guts to show their faces and just think about it, we're looking at the future of our country. God help us all, says uh, Eileen who is from Bear Island. Another texter says, Patricia, having to deal with long-skirted immigrant ethnic group of females on a few occasions, I was fortunate enough to have seen them coming. So I pulled down the shutters of my shop and closed the doors to keep them out. They gave me severe verbal abuse and threats. However, this new invasion is on a completely different level. So the law needs to intervene. Simple. Immediate 12-month incarceration for any one over and under 18 who's caught. That would be the problem solved. And Gerard joins me on the comment line, kind of on a similar vein. Uh, good morning to you, Gerard. Good morning. You're, you're saying, I'm very well, thank you. You're saying catch them and prosecute them immediately. Well, uh, I was just doing a lot of thinking, uh, because uh, oh, I suppose over the years with the uh, different social media uh, social media events that once a person wants to go to an event or something they might put a message up on social media and everyone jumps on the bandwagon uh, then but I, I suppose uh, I'm involved with community festival here and um, uh, and one thing that, that struck me this morning especially was that uh, that a lot of young people love to travel you know and yeah. uh, a few years ago we had an incident of a, uh, a few people being very very disorderly at, at the festival and one guy uh, was arrested and uh, he was prosecuted and uh, um, he wanted to go to Australia and uh, um, he came back to us after and he said uh, is there any way that you can uh, try and uh, uh, get the case uh, struck out because, uh, because he was was an offence uh, that he, he would have the black mark against his name, so he couldn't enter Australia. And uh, and so, it's the same for uh, America. And it's the same for America. So, uh, like, uh, I do feel personally that uh, a lot of young people jump on bandwagons and they they never think really about what they are doing. But but it's great fun at the time. And uh, and I think that the, the more uh, young people that would be prosecuted for. Uh, public order offences and it would be you know, an offence that would really uh, put a mark, black mark on their name and if they wanted to uh, like most young people might like to go to Australia or America on J1 visas or any, uh, or any one of these other things to work and it, it, it would wake them up that if you if you keep uh, being disorderly and messing around uh, and if you get an offence against your name that you will not be able to travel It, it will and come I, back to haunt you in, in future years Yes, and like that, uh, I do feel that uh, like the, uh, I know a lot of comments uh, about uh, about people that are entitled to do this and they're entitled to that. But like the general public are entitled to live their lives normally, going to Cork City uh, and do their shopping with uh, people uh, uh, coming in and making a mess for them on, a, on an orderly uh, and in, and intimidating them. People are very intimidated by 
a gang of a hundred youths dressed in black with balaclavas. That's intimidating. And that is how social media works because some few people pull it up and they say, there's another people, a lot of people that, uh, that say, oh God, this is the place to be. We must dress in black, put on the balaclava and go uh, go with the flow. But like if, if, they, uh, could, if you could convince these young people through education or through uh, in social media as well, that like that if you are caught messing uh, with a public order offence uh, against your name, and uh, it will um, it will affect your passport. Okay, and you will okay, not be able and to that's uh, something for parents to think about and for parents to speak to their young people about. Okay, Gerald, thank you for that, and thank okay. you for your call, uh, Bridie feels the army need to deal with this type of situation, get the army out on the street. Magellan Carrigaline says, John O'Donovan, who you spoke with in the last hour, is right. So many gangs going around the town these days. I live in Carrigaline. We've noticed gangs of between 50 to 70 youths hanging around our estate late at night. With the dark evenings, they can be there from 7pm. It's scary for older people and sometimes they're shouting and roaring. The young person, the young people don't see that they're doing anything wrong, but that's frightening for older people. Uh, Margaret says, thank you for that, Magella. Margaret says, my daughter lives in a city suburb and she tells me every evening there are gangs of youths gathered in her estate. They get, then get on to the city buses and head to another part of the city and then hang around a different area and it goes on and on. It shouldn't be allowed. Better policing is needed. But again, I go back to when we were all young people, we all gathered together now, I don't know if I ever carried that in a group of between 50 and 70. I didn't know that many people. But but we all hung out together. And even Pat O'Connell from the English market was saying that. You know, they want young people to come into town on the weekend. That adds to the atmosphere to see groups together. And they'll have cash and they'll be spending their money as well. And we don't want to stop young people doing what young people have always done. And that's hang out together. But it's when that hanging out together gets out of hand and it shouldn't be putting anybody, it shouldn't make anybody else feel uncomfortable, shouldn't make anybody else feel intimidated and it certainly shouldn't affect how a business does its business. Tom in Mallow says the problem today with the Gardaí, they are going for the easy targets. They're stopping people on the roads for a tail light not working. Years ago, the Gardaí knew everyone in an area and crime was much lower as a result. But the people they are working, staying out of trouble are the ones targeted by the Gardaí, particularly for side offences. John in Bantry says the Gardaí need to threaten those who do this more. There was no arrest yet all the Gardaí were around that store then on Saturday all day. What happens if it, if it occurs next weekend at another store or another weekend? Um, and what would also have happened on Saturday if another store got targeted where the Gardaí were protecting JD's store? That's not the answer to the problem. Also coming in Mora in Mallow. It's a joke. They are sending the army on peacekeeping missions to foreign countries when this chaos is happening in our own country. So when we have incidents like this, it's our army who should be there to intervene, not to let all of our army resources and defence forces go elsewhere. Keep it, please, in this country. And some of your, have I all of your texts that I have? Okay, that's just a sample of some of the calls and comments coming in on that issue. 1850-333-103. Also getting an amount of commentary on the news that I mentioned earlier, the sad news that I heard that the Grand Hotel in Formoy ceased business as of yesterday. Some commentary in on that. 
Hi Patricia. Regarding the Grand Hotel in Formoy, we would have another top class hotel in Formoy and we would have had it long ago, only for the opposition to it. And some of them are not even natives. And that's signed a Formoy woman, born and reared. And Sandy says, there is place in Formoy for truckers to rest with facilities at the end of town. Also, the restaurant there is used by motorists a lot. That's why there is traffic in town. But a revised traffic flow and parking plan is required for the town. I was there often and congestion was a problem on the road out to Supervalue, often causing blockage at the junction where the traffic on the main road in from Dublin turned left despite low traffic volume in the town and it was made worse by traffic lights on the way out near Supervalue on occasions. Planning is a major issue. Hunting traffic out of town will deplete business and it will only cause more stores to close. That is from Sandy. And an email to Patricia at C103.ie says Good morning. Listening about the Grand Hotel closure in Formoy. It's so sad to hear of a business that has now been forced to close. Yesterday also marked the last day of business for the old post office restaurant in Blarney. It will get worse and the reason the reason I believe is we don't shop locally anymore. Growing up in Donnerwell, there was a shop for everything. There was fruit and veg, newspapers, sweets and groceries, clothes, toys, etc. To do all your shopping, you'd visit each shop, have a chat and discuss the stories of the day. Now it's get in and get out. The social part of shopping is absolutely gone. People are rushing. They're watching their parking times and they're just too stressed out to have a minute to chat. We hear the thousands of tourists coming to visit visitor attractions like Donnerell Park. If these visitors' numbers don't transfer out onto the town, then the economic life of Donnerell does not benefit. Any town I go to, I would at least buy a cup of coffee and visit some of the shops. We all need to take control and not just rub our hands and say it's awful when a business is gone. Support local and businesses should also band together and support each other. Promote promote and support. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. And then it's too late. Thank you for that. That's email to Patricia at c103.ie. And I think there is a point we are all too busy. Maybe we don't stop to smell the roses and we don't stop to have the cup of coffee and have the chat. But another problem is the online shopping. That's been a huge issue for a number of years and that's only getting worse and that's stopping people spending their money locally. I've said it before and I'll give me a chance to say it again. We're in the lead into Christmas. Please try to buy as many of the Christmas presents and the bits and bobs that you have to buy. Please try to buy as much of that as you can locally. I know you might be able to get everything locally and I accept you might be able to get some items cheaper. But I'm saying if it's of similar price locally, then please uh, buy it locally. Now, other texts coming in to us. Hi, Patricia. The TV and the newspapers were full of poppies and war and they were all there in their glory with their slogans least we forget. Let us not forget that it was King George and his cousin in Germany that had a row and started the war where two million young people were killed each other on the orders of two madmen and the last four days we've had all pomp and dress and ceremony and no thought for the children they sent to fight that war says uh, Pat well I think when we have all the remembrance around Poppy Sunday I think that's exactly what we're doing I think it is we are remembering and they were children they were young lads 
when, particularly when it's World War One, uh, we remember. And actually, when you say two million young people on World War One, it was actually sixteen, nearly seventeen million people died in the First World War. There was seven million civilians and ten million military personnel, and many of those were young, were very, very young boys. They were, in today's term, they'd be boys and young men who lost their lives. And I think all of those remembrance ceremonies, Pat, I think I think you're wrong when you say there's no thought of the children they sent to war. I think that's exactly what it is. I think that's exactly who who they try to remember. You know, that saying that they gave of their today so we could have tomorrow, at least we forget. I mean, to me, that's what it's all about. And uh, Tim says, when I mentioned the brothers from Formoy that were remembered in Belgium yesterday, he says there was also the Sullivan brothers. Don't forget them from West Cork. They died on the same US Navy ship, but I think they were born in the US, says uh, Tim. 1850-333-103. And when we're remembering the Grand Hotel, Mike in Bantry says, I had my Debs in the Grand Hotel in Formoy. It was a great place. And lots of people will have memories at that. I'm sure there was a lot of weddings were held in the Grand Hotel in Formoy. So many people will have a lot of memories. But sadly, as of yesterday, it has ceased at trading. John Paul is taking your calls. 1850-333-103. Continue to text and WhatsApp us 0862-103-103. C103. There's a child banjo wanted in Mwilin Newmarket. It's for school-going children, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. A farm operator is wanted for work that's in the North Cork area for general farm work and relief milking. While Vodafone and Clonakilty, they've got vacancies for full and part-time retail sales advisor. And Newmarket Motors, they're looking for an accounts assistant that's for a full-time position. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. A Cork band once asked, Where's me jumper? Now C103 is asking it too. Where's me Cork Simon Christmas jumper? Every year, thousands of people here in Cork get together to help fight homelessness by wearing a Christmas jumper to work, school or anywhere. Don't make a song and dance about it. Simply get your fundraising pack now at CorkSimon.ie. The Cork Simon Christmas Jumper Day. It's time to wear your jumper. With C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. A bit of good news, by the way, from Lotto HQ to say a lucky Cork player is €91,000 richer today after matching five numbers in the bonus ball in last night's Lotto draw. Nobody won the 3.5 million jackpot, so that will roll over. But there was the next highest prize has been has been won by a Cork person and the National Lottery have revealed that the winning ticket was sold in Hegarty's Mace supermarket on Main Street in Bantry. So somebody in West Cork hopefully is celebrating this morning their €91,000 better off have uh, fun spending that money. Now in advance of World Diabetes Day Dr James Ryan consultant endocrinologist at the Marshall Private in Cork will host a free public information lecture this evening at 7 o'clock. Half the people with diabetes in Cork are not aware that they have the condition. So we invited Dr James Ryan to join us this morning ahead of tonight's uh, lecture. Good morning to James. James. Good morning. Thanks very much for having well, me. On. Well, you're, you're very welcome. What are the dangers for people who are walking around undiagnosed with diabetes? I suppose the, 
um, the main thing is that, you know, people call diabetes the silent killer, unfortunately, with in particular type 2 diabetes, that's the more common one, um, in, and certainly in those of us who are in our later decades, I suppose, that often patients don't feel any symptoms and they can end up coming to hospital with the complications of diabetes, such as heart issues, sight issues, um, circulation issues, etc. And I suppose it's just uh, the purpose really we're doing is trying to make people aware of it and therefore hoping that early detection of diabetes can help prevent people getting to, to the situation where they have to go to the hospital with these problems. Because patients with diabetes, I'm right in saying it's rising, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is, yeah. So I suppose it, it, the background really would be that, you know, there's two main types of diabetes. There's the type 2 diabetes that I suppose we we associate more with lifestyle, if you like, and it, it tends to be inheritable to a certain extent. There's also lifestyle and I, I suppose the way we, the world has changed. We're, we're not out chasing cattle as much. We're probably indoors a lot more and we're eating more processed food. Um, that accounts for 90% of diabetes, and that's rising. What's also rising is the, is, is the less common, which accounts for 9% of diabetes, the, the type 1 diabetes, which is the autoimmune that we've all always associated with, I suppose, younger ages, typically 5 to 15, where your, your blood, for whatever reason, attacks your pancreas and destroys the cells that make insulin, and these patients need insulin. But that's also on the rise, and particularly in an older age group, so and is that know, is that unusual to see it in an older age group? It is. So, it, it, like in the past, there have been talks about this type one point five diabetes or latent autoimmune diabetes in the adults. Later, was called, particularly in Cork and, and in our practice, we've seen a huge increase in people in their forties, fifties, and sixties even coming in with the typical symptoms of diabetes, which would be thirst, fatigue, um, losing weight rapidly. And they can actually be quite sick with their diabetes, and and it is insulin treatment that they need. Um, and I suppose our practice here, and, and practice, in fact, worldwide, would have changed that people now with a new diagnosis of diabetes, we actually check them for the type one to make. We check their insulin levels and check their immune system before we start doing any treatment, just to ensure that we have the right diagnosis. Mm. Is this a is this a worldwide phenomenon? I mean, I'm assuming it's not just here in Ireland that this is happening. Yeah, it is. It is a worldwide phenomenon, and in particular, the type two diabetes for 30, 40 years has been a worldwide phenomenon in terms of, as I say, be it our diet is changing or our lifestyle is changing. Um, the, the type 1 diabetes or the type 1 and a half diabetes is a bit more interesting in that it's a more recent thing in the last maybe decade or so, that the increase in it. And there's lots of different theories. Is it due to changes in the environment, such as climate changes in are we getting infections that we're not aware of that are changing our immune systems? Mm. Um, but certainly it's something we all need to be a bit more aware of. And again, I suppose, you know, we don't want to be ending up in a situation where you arrive at the hospital with a problem. Yeah. Especially when these things can be diagnosed early and, and treated. So good exactly, yeah. Because I'm assuming with late, late diagnosis must be having an impact on our hospitals. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, a, a huge amount of our health budget is spent on the complications of diabetes in itself. Um, and again, you know, it's one of the, the single biggest drivers of, of cost in our health system. And majority of these problems are preventable if they're diagnosed on time. We're looking enough that the treatments for diabetes nowadays are very, very effective. For the first time since the development of, of diabetes and records, really, diabetes is no longer the leading cause of blindness in Ireland. Um, and the, the 
rates of heart disease and diabetes are actually going downwards for the first time because the treatments are so good. That's good, that's good. And obviously avoidance, to, to try to avoid getting particularly type 2 uh, diabetes. I mean, what are we looking at? Healthy diet, regular exercise? Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Most of it is very common sense stuff. Not that I have much common sense myself. <laughs> I, 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 I do all the wrong things all the time, so it's kind of nearly do as I say, not as I preach type of thing. But yeah, so this evening, like we've got two of our senior dietitians, Eva Dean and, and Luke really just talking about diet. And the other thing we'll be, we'll be chatting about is exercise. Prevention is a big thing, of course, yeah. And like it, the, the research that's out there would say that the exercise isn't overly onerous. This 30-minute walk five days a week is better than any medication in the world for helping prevent you getting diabetes. Yeah, so, you're, you're not asking people to take a marathon running. No, but again, I suppose when you, if you look at your own life, then half an hour, five days a week is a lot. I know, I know. Like, you know, for those of us who've got families and work and sports and stuff, so to make time to look after yourself. Yeah, it's yeah. We all need to be that's, that's, you know? And is it possible to reverse type two diabetes once you diagnose? Yeah, it, it is. Now, it, it, unfortunately, by the time most of you get diagnosed, it is not possible for them. So I, 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 I would stress that that it, it, the earlier diagnosis, more likely you are to reverse it. Um, if you'd asked me a question five years ago, I'd have said, "No, you can't reverse it, and you just have it and, and forget about it." But to be fair, with intensive treatment and lifestyle change, if you diagnose early enough, it is possible to. But I suppose at the same time, people will need to be aware that they're still prone to getting it back again. Um, and again, I suppose a lot of focus I would put on things would be ladies who get diagnosed with diabetes during pregnancy, making sure that they don't put up a situation where it might come back. Um, and, and Later in life. Exactly, yeah. And I suppose if, if you can clear yourself, if you like numbers-wise of diabetes, just make sure you don't get back into the same old habits and, and end up back in trouble again. So who would you like to see attend tonight's lecture? Who are you aiming at at? Well, it, it, it's more aware, raising public awareness for anything else. I, 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 we wouldn't necessarily be aiming at anybody. But I, 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 well, I suppose the people who might wish to attend would be people who have relatives who have diabetes or people who are recently diagnosed that don't have much knowledge of it. Um, you know, I suppose a lot of the, the burden of diabetes as well is, is on the families rather than just the patients themselves. So parents of kids with type 1 diabetes may wish to attend. We're hoping that it'll be a, a, an interactive session more so than a didactic lecture per se, you know. OK. Uh, just a question. Um, Kleena's in her mid-20s. Both her parents have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Is there an hereditary link? There is a hereditary link, yeah, definitely. Um, unfortunately, most things in this world are, are about genetics. It doesn't necessarily mean that um, Kleena is going to get us, but she's somebody who, who might want to look at her diet and lifestyle and, and look at getting herself screened for, for diabetes. I'm, I'm not sure what age Kleena is, but... She's know, just said in her mid-20s. She's in her mid-20s. So again, if, you know, I would probably get myself screened pre-pregnancy to make sure I don't have diabetes if I was in Kleena's shoes. Um, I would be lining myself up to get a, a diabetes check in pregnancy. Um, but there is a red link anyway, is the short answer to the question. OK. Uh, Johnson and Douglas said, worried to hear that half of us are going around Cork with diabetes, particularly if it's without symptoms. Is it something that your GP should regularly check for? Again, I suppose there isn't a screening for diabetes and it's probably not feasible, but at the same time, it's so common. It's something we all need to be aware of ourselves. Um Again, and I would say the people who've got a family history of it, things to look out for, you know, 
fatigue and thirst and extra passing of water, you know, when you're not trying to lose weight or trying to process it in, in the way of losing um, fluids, it, it are sentinel things to look out for, I would have said. Okay. All right, and that lecture is, it's it's on tonight. It's a free public information lecture, the March of Private uh, Cork Orthopaedic and Spine Centre and it's at seven o'clock and it's open to uh, all. James, thank you for that and good luck with the lecture tonight. Thank you very much. And thanks, for, thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. That is Dr. James Ryan, who is a consultant endocrinologist at the March of Private in Cork. If you would like to go along to that public lecture tonight, as I say, it is free of uh, charge. 1850 John Paul taking your calls you may have heard some of our ads for this but I want to give a mention to it because uh, C103 were teaming up with Cork Simon to support Cork Simon's Christmas Jumper Day we're going to be doing it here at C103 but what we are asking is we're asking thousands of people all over uh, Cork to help out, to help Simon because they are doing such amazing work fighting homelessness. You simply choose a day to wear your Christmas jumper. You can do it at work. You can do it at school. You could do it. Families could get together and have a fun day out doing doing it. And the whole idea is that you are, you raise a little bit of cash for the Simon community and they actually have fundraising packs that you can get by visiting corksimon.ie and they'll send you out a fundraising pack. So it's something you might consider if you're listening to us at work or maybe you're at school today that you might consider getting involved and have a Christmas jumper day. But please do it for the Simon community this year. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Declan Ernie here and you're listening to Eric Griffin on Country and Irish on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8 right here on C103. With preparations underway for Christmas, a lovely gift to give is a diary for the coming year and my favourite diary is the Get Up and Go Diary which are full of inspirational quotes and thoughts. Brendan Sands, the man behind these wonderful uh, publications, once again joins me in studio as another year goes by. Brendan, good morning to you. Uh, Good morning. Uh, You're welcome. You travel around the country delivering the diaries. Is that a part of the job that you love? That's the part of the job that I love more than anything else. I love just being out there, just like meeting the people and having a conversation with them. And, uh, you know, I'm known like throughout the country as like Brendan or the get up and go man yeah. or something to that effect, you know. And the, the people I meet is just amazing. Everyone is just amazing. I just love being And you've obviously at this stage, because you go around to individual shops, isn't it? Handy. I know I've got the list of all the shops uh, here in the in the Cork area. You must at this stage, you've built up a rapport with, have you, with... Yeah, the, they, the answer yeah. to that is yes. Just yeah. so, as I say, just like so many people, and they all know me. A lot of them know me by, by first name now, and they want to have a conversation how we're doing. How you know, and I like to have a conversation about how they're doing as well. You know, with the economy, the business, yeah. everything in that respect. You know, and uh, yeah, they just. I get a lot. I, I get a lot of people love to see me as much as I love to see them. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now the diaries, the the, the cost of the diaries. Are you trying to keep them as? 
Well, how, the, the, how much are they on sale for? Yeah, the price hasn't changed in oh, ten years now. Uh, they're, they're ten they're euro still for. A ten, the, they're still a tenner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you, uh, I, is that tough to keep to keep it at ab- the same absolutely, price? Absolutely, you know, because it's it's all up. It's I find that it's sort of like a numbers game. You know what I mean? Like just to. to to uh, increase in numbers, you know, when we can keep the price down. You know? Yeah. Okay. And then we have the paper bag versions of, you know, I mean, what we have here. And uh, then there's the case bound version. It's a, it's a different feel and a different, uh, different texture. This is the hardback one. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is this is a real treat one. I That's always. That's a think. real treat. And still at fifteen, it's still very, very, very reasonably priced. And you have the usual. You do the the standard get up and go diary, which is for everyone. And then you always do the one for the busy woman. Yeah. That's <laughs> and and honestly, even though we have. Have done the Irish get up and go diary, you know what I mean? This list, I say, 11 years now, and the busy woman one has come into play really about uh, about five years now. The actual busy woman diary is actually overtaken, is it absolutely? Is you it know, in sales? It is actually well, I have overtaken. to say, it's 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 the one that I if, if I'm giving it as a gift to somebody because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know so many busy women in my life who always get a kick out of it, yeah, they always get a kick yeah. out of it, and then you all you you you've got the journals there. Are they still going well? You do the student journal. The student journal, and yeah. then there's a we have a new, a brand new, and actually now, well, I say I'll say it's brand new because I'm at it now, just like 11, 12 years. Uh, is the, the gratitude journal? Oh, now, that's that's good. just yeah. Every day you just get an opportunity to write. You know what you're grateful for yeah. every day, yeah. And uh, it has actually picked up tremendously. I'll say this past year and a half. You know, I'm a huge believer in that. Before you, before I go to sleep at night, to try and just in my mind to say three things that I'm grateful for yeah. uh, in the day, but to physically write them down, yeah, and then to look back on them, yeah, and yeah. it's just amazing the things that will, yeah, that yeah, that can come to light. You know, I mean, what yeah. you were really grateful for. You know, I was speaking to a woman, I suppose, two years ago, and I thought just that was one of the one like a great statement like that she made to me. She says like tomorrow's actually promised to nobody. Yeah. Yeah, and if you true. can get tomorrow and get up and you know keep going and do another day, like you know, you have to be grateful for actually getting another day, because it was never promised to you in the first place. Yeah, and actually considering I was, you know, today is the eleventh of the eleventh Armistice Day, and we just I was talking earlier about the the young men, you know, particularly in the First World War, who yeah. went. Uh, and gave up there today so we could have a, have a tomorrow. We That's can be right. so, you know, so and, grateful. And as I, as I heard you speaking earlier on, you mean about two kings or two hierarchy that fell out among them. Why didn't they go and have a row among yeah. them? Whichever one won, well, okay, and that was it, you know, yeah. as opposed to like ordering like young 17 guys. 17 like, million. The, yeah. You know? So your books are, are as always, your 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 diaries are as always full of inspirational thoughts and positivity and... Absolutely. Every day there'll be a, there'll be a quote for every day, and as you can see in the book there, you know there's there's all the we just well what I would say like statements. We make statements as well, or have we stories in the book as well? You mean that that's a message actually to everybody. <laughs> I okay, Brendan's marked some of them, but I just happened to op- open it, and this one really has made me smile. I have to say, uh, every mother hopes that her daughter will marry a better man than she did, and is convinced that her son will never find a wife as good as his father did. I just love that. I absolutely love that one. <laughs> and then step out of the history that's holding you back and step into the new story that you are willing to create. Absolutely. That's powerful. Every day. Just go out there and create something. Absolutely every day. That, you know, that and, is really and powerful. appreciate every, all the people that are around you and who they are for you. Okay, and then it, it and all of the diaries function as normal diaries. You can use it as a normal diary absolutely, to write in all everything that, that absolutely. Everything. However, however, we do have a, actually a new one coming out. Uh, actually, it's coming out next Friday, 
and it's uh, it's a journal for uh, the busy woman. And uh, for the busy woman, yeah, it's one, coming to the yeah. 2020 edition. Oh, this is the planner. Oh, yes, it's a yeah. planner. And you it's brought a, this out last year as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. yeah, that was successful as well. And it is a page per view with quotes in it as well. Yeah. And bucket lists. And like it really is for planning at, at the beginning of each month. You can actually plan and detail everything, that you're, all your goals that you're set out for that particular month. Yeah. And what, what, for all the things that you have to do and, yeah. and whatever. No, we Predominantly, that's going to be on uh, that's going to be, uh, predominantly it's going to be on our website uh, for sale at, at www.getupandgodiary.com. OK. All and right. uh, it is a fabulous, fabulous gift. And the colours in all of your diaries, it's the colours that absolutely jump out at you. That <laughs> you just, you can't help but smile every day that you'd open up your I agree. Your, your, I agree your, your wholeheartedly with that one. Now, what kind of a year have you been uh, having? I know, I, and I can't let the, the year pass without talking about your daughter. Sa- how is Sandra doing? Sandra's doing... Just remind listeners about okay, Sandra first. Okay, okay, well, Sandra has cystic fibrosis and uh, Sandra will be 39 on her next birthday. Okay. which is on the 18th of December, which oh, is always Christmas great baby. because it's on a Wednesday this year. Christmas Day is on a Wednesday and New Year's Day is on a Wednesday. It all works out, you know what I mean? So there's three Wednesdays in a slot. Uh, at the moment, actually, Sandra is on the, the well, what I would say is the new Arcanby programme, you know, the Vertex Arcanby uh, yeah. programme for yeah. cystic fibrosis. And honestly, honestly, I'll say... Which Orla, Orla Tinsley was not the young Irish girl who fought yeah, so hard yeah. for the Arcanby So drug. I can honestly, honestly say, thank God for Arcanby. I changed her life? Completely changed her life, you know. Sandra, Sandra's lung function actually dropped uh, below 25 in Northern Ireland. And uh, they put her on the Arcanby program as a test case okay. for, for using Arcanby. And uh, it, it's absolutely amazing. Whereas Sandra was into the hospital every two months, you know, with chest infections and stuff. It finished up, actually, the hospital actually sent for her after 10 months because they couldn't understand how Sandra <laughs> was dealing with... Uh, Dealing with no no lung infection or anything, you know. So she's had a wee couple of like lung infection because she's on it now like two and, about two and a half years. The Arcanby yeah. program has clinical tests, you know, and uh, she's doing really really well. You know, she's doing really good at the moment. Is you she know? on the transplant list? She is on the transplant list. Uh, uh, Sandra's on the transplant list now. About I'll have to say four years or just maybe a tiny bit more because Sandra was on the actually Sandra went on to the lung transplant list like three months after Claire died who was her sister who and was your other daughter who sadly didn't make it but she, she didn't yeah. make it no, no. And she was 26 but she didn't make it and uh, Sandra then was, was called for the, to the Freeman's Hospital in Newcastle upon Tyne and uh, she got on the list eventually you know which was really really great you know and then that was about uh, about June that she got on the list and she Sandra has been called once for yeah. a lung transplant how far and did I, she get? Well, how far did she get? She actually got to the anaesthetics. She got to anaesthetics. Oh. You see, just because they send for you, they send for other patients as well. Yeah. So and you're made aware of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you could be turned away at the door, but yeah. everything was go ahead. Oh, listen, with, I've, I've you know, heard of people who were barely in the ambulance and, the, and they turned back. And, yeah. But to make it to the anaesthetics. Anaesthetics. And then the, 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 the transplant was lung there. was actually damaged. They discovered that the lung was damaged. But Sandra uh. was the perfect, well, the nearest match because you can't be a perfect match. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you know you're going to be on, but on drugs. But the Orcambi now has made the difference. Orcambi has made the difference for Sandra in saying that. I can say that Sandra has, or it has made the difference that Sandra is actually with us today. 
Yeah, she's alive. That, yeah, live that, and with you. That's right. You know, Sandra's on three liters of oxygen per minute, and uh, it's still it's it's not the oxygen in; it's the transfer out. Yeah, you know. So uh, I'll say our Canby has just. I I just thank God every day for and and Sandra. She doesn't just battle cystic fibrosis. No, she's also <laughs> profound. She was born profoundly deaf, wasn't she? Yeah, Sandra. Yeah. Well, she ha- she has a certain amount of hearing. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, some people like call it uh, impaired hearing. Yeah. You know, and you know, but yet and all, she's in the deaf club. Okay. You know, I I can't understand some things like you know you're impaired hearing or you're deaf or whatever. You listen, know I have a deaf blind child. Don't even get me started on what's <laughs> deaf, what's not deaf, what's visually impaired, yeah, what's blind. Yeah. 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 It's, well, it's Sandra, Sandra has got a very small amount of hearing. Okay. And her husband too is completely deaf. Yeah. Not impaired, completely, completely deaf. deaf. And then they have their daughter, Kara, who's actually 10 at the moment. And uh, it just so happened that Q went to school in Dublin and Sandra went to school in Northern Ireland. Sandra learned BSL. Q learned British I- Sign Language. Yeah, and Q learned ISL. And they're two different. Two different ones. Which makes However, no sense Cara, to so many people. The, the daughter, daughter, yeah. She, she will do interpreter for them oh, she- whenever she's out, either in English sign or, or British Sign Language wow. or in Irish Sign Multilingual in sign language. Ab- absolutely. And, kid, w- and whatever is said... Is said. Kara yeah. makes no differentials on the words. If, if if there's a bit of aggro going on or anything, Kara yeah. uses the word just as per normal. Well, she's like she's super, super tight. How is she coping with it all? Because that's it's a, that's tough for a kid. Yeah, it's tough to enough for the kid. So but sick. you know, she, she she doesn't know a big lot different if yeah. you understand. So like you know, and she's uh, she, you know she's she's playing a part now in the in the panto with hey. Mary. Yeah, <laughs> and you know she she's at her school. She's at her dancing. She's at her sports and. And, you know, and she takes care of her mum and her dad and she's, she takes care of her kid. own granddad and her aunties and stuff whenever they're about. You but know the what? fact that we're talking about Sandra and it's an issue that's come up here on this programme, the transplant. And we're always encouraging people to carry a transplant card. And it's only when you talk with somebody like you who knows at first hand how important it is. There Recently, there's been talks about the opt out and opt in and that register would you? You must have a view on all of that. I, my view is, if if you there's any incident or accidents, whatever the case may be, my personal speaking, you should have an opt out clause. You you should be in the opt out clause. In other words, you're already in, mm-hmm. because a lot of people actually, or a lot of things actually, get away on people. Whereas maybe that lung or their eye or their kidney or liver or something would be life. really really useful to someone else, and it was all forgotten about, you know, yeah. because of the trauma or whatever it it takes, at, you know, at the time, you know. So I'm all completely on for everybody carrying a card that says I am in yeah. you know yeah. like, you know. and at the moment I see really what I would love uh, Trish is actually to see actually the Matter Hospital in Dublin be in the centre of excellence for lung transplant in in Ireland in all of Ireland at the moment you know Sandra can't come down to the Matter Hospital in Dublin if a lung becomes available so I would love to actually see that you know that uh, you know, and between, you know, I mean, like the border and Brexit and all this like stuff that's going on like out there in the in the world, you know, I mean, they actually could look at, you know, I mean, like people's lives is really, really important, you know. So I would love to see the, the Matter Hospital uh, Centre of Excellence, you know. For it, all Ireland. For all of Ireland. So that yeah. if anybody comes from, uh, you know, I mean, Antrim or... It doesn't make a, a difference. Vi- it doesn't make any difference, no. you know. And actually what I've discovered, I suppose, we're actually quite closely related in Ireland. That, you know, per head, per capita people, you mean, there's, you mean Ireland is, is the highest uh, cystic fibrosis patients 
in the world per head per head of people. And that's you know? because we're all interrelated. Absolutely. We yeah. all carry, you know, well, not we all, we all don't, but we carry the abnormal genes. Yeah. So, like, there's genetics involved here yeah. as well, yeah. you know. It's like the Celtic curse, the hemochromatosis, and it's that, That's right, you know. So, I would love we're to all see. Uh, wonderfully inbred. I would love to see this sort of thing actually happen that if a lung become available in Dublin, that my daughter can go down and just, like, grab that lung, you know. Yeah. If it's a near match at all, you know what I mean? Because, like, you know, it's going to get to the stage, really, that. That, uh, you know, if there's no match comes along and, you know, I mean, Lear with Sandra's lung function is like decreasing all the time. You know what I mean? Like it's it's inevitable, well, you know, of what's going to happen. And listen, you know? you've lost one daughter. You don't need. No, no, nobody needs to lose a second. Well, nobody needs even to sure. lose one. No, no, you know, absolutely. OK, you've kindly get brought, as you always do every year, books, diaries that we'll be giving away uh, in the uh, next hour. And we, we will uh, go through the long, long list of shops that are selling it. I, to be honest, I don't think there isn't a bookshop uh, in Cork City, <laughs> across Cork City or County, where you won't find a copy of the Get Up and Go Diaries. If anyone's having problems, get on to a centre and we'll point you in the right direction. I know you want to say a thank you to a couple of people before we finish. Yeah, yeah. well, I'll run that past. I, I want to just say a quick hello just to my business partner, Eileen, okay. and for the, you know, to the Get Up and Go team, especially Katrina, who's heading it there. I want to say hello to my daughter, Sandra and Lisa, who's listening and friends of mine, uh, Jennifer and Sinead. And uh, especially just to a couple that left us home from the Hazel Tree dancing on Friday <laughs> night. <laughs> we didn't get their names or anything and okay. they were more than delighted just to leave us back at exactly where. Okay, you were staying in Springford and of course you bought the dancing shoes because you're big into the dancing Yeah, and you went to the Hazel Tree yeah. and then discovered it's it's not exactly a walk. <laughs> no. um, and a nice summer's day it's a nice walk but not late at night uh, but that's North Cork people for you. They weren't Absolute, going to leave you by the side Absolutely amazing the and thank you so much. Listen, have a great Christmas and uh, good luck with the Get, and, uh, get Up and Go Diaries for 2020. They're gorgeous as always. We love having you and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thank you so much. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, Olive in Mitchestown was on to say, I get one of those get up and go. I got one of those get up and go drivers a number of years ago. Uh, I loved last year's Irish one on page 139, the story of the gold wrapping paper. Uh, and I don't know what the story of the gold wrapping paper uh, is. Yeah, but they're great. And the stories... I could spend, I actually, I always find when I get my get up and go driver, I'll spend time just looking through it and, and reading through it. But it's to try to take time during the year to read all of the different, at the start of the month, there's always great stories or a, a piece of poetry or something. They, they are wonderful. Now, Brendan, as always, he's always very generous, very kind to, to leave a bundle of diaries with us to give away. We normally keep some for closer to Christmas, so we'll do that. So it's standard diaries. Is it John Paul? We're giving away five. Is it five? Five, yeah, five. Okay, so we will do it by text. Can you text in the word diary along with your name and address to 086 103. We'll leave it open for about 10 minutes and then we will randomly select five and we'll pop them in the post to you and there's a selection of other diaries that we'll give away next month as we come closer to Christmas because they'd make lovely Christmas presents as well and they make a nice uh, stocking filler so we'll hold on to some of them until a little bit later on. I can see questions also coming in for Annalise. Will you keep those questions coming please because Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist will be joining us so if you have a question for Annalise I can see some interesting ones coming in. Keep them coming to 1850 Some of your texts into the programme. Hi Patricia, here's a good news insurance story for you, says one of our 
listeners and sure God knows we don't often get good news insurance stories. I've got a van insured for third party fire and theft and I've had it insured for the past few years as this was within my budget. Normally comprehensive cover would cost a few hundred euros more. Couldn't afford that so I went for the third party fire and theft. I decided to call into my insurance brokers which by the way happened to be O'Leary's in Clonakilty last month just to renew my policy and to ask them if they would check to see what would the difference in the cost be between third party fire and theft and fully comprehensive. They phoned the insurance company who came back and informed them that it will be the same price. Yippee, happy days. A good news insurance story that we don't often hear, that's for sure. Thank you for that. On traffic that we were discussing with traffic in Formoy, Tom from Formoy says, Patricia, on the matter of traffic in Formoy, it's the traffic lights on the square that's causing some of the problems. They stay red for too long and then green for too short. Also, those idiots in Cork that you were talking about last Friday evening. What a bunch of idiots. No hope at all for our country. No hope if they are the future generations, says Tom in Formoy. And then somebody says, with all of the bad news about young teenagers this morning, I just want to say a big congra- congratulatory mention to Clana Gale for winning the county final yesterday in Porky Cueve. Can you give them a mention, please? Thank you from a very proud parent. Well done and congratulations to everybody involved in Clana Gale on winning the county final uh, yesterday. And you know, if you can get young people involved in sport and keep them interested in sport, then they won't be the ones hanging around estates late at night. They won't be the ones who will be deciding to dress up in black and to wear a balaclava and head into Cork City and run down through the street with the idea of trying to get into a store and rob what you can because they will be too busy at training or getting ready for a, a match. So it's But it's to keep young people interested in sports and that's where your local soccer team, your GAA team, your rugby team, which are run by volunteers, do such amazing work. But parents will tell you that it can get tricky a kind of that teenage, that 14, 15, people who have been involved in sports all, uh, you know, all of their young life, you know, would have got involved in primary school and then they head off into secondary school and everything's going okay. And then for whatever reason, they'll fall off the rails a bit. It's that that's the important time to try to keep them interested in sports. And if you can, you're not going to have any problems at all, for sure. For sure. Thank you for that. I'm glad to mention those young people and they are a credit to their club and, of course, uh, to their parents. John in Cove says, this has been going on for years, this idea of young people going off the rails. In my opinion, there should be conscription brought into this country. Conscript them back into the army or the navy. When we had discipline in this country, we were afraid to do anything. But there now is a distinct lack of respect. Instead of teachers running the classrooms, some days it seems to be the students that are running the show. And all of this happened because of the do-gooders in this country. OK, I, I, nobody wants to go back to the days when children were absolutely terrified inside in school. Nobody wants to go back to the days of corporate punishment and the Christian brothers and the nuns and lay teachers and what they did to some pupils. I mean, there are adults today who are still living with the consequences of what they put up with back in their school days. And I think nobody wants that. 
so I think the ending of corporate punishment was a good thing. But I think what has to happen is there has to be some kind of a happy medium. I think you're right. I think not in all cases, but I think it's this lack of respect. People just don't seem to respect authority in some cases anymore. And I think that's the difference. You know, when I was talking about earlier on, saying, oh, she was teenagers, we all hung out together and we did. We all hung around in groups and that's what young people do. And it's part of growing up and it's part of that journey from adolescence into adulthood. And there will always be an element of being, you know, the rebellious young people. But we knew, we 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 knew how far over the line that you went. And certainly there was a respect level that seems to be lacking. No, not, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're not saying with all children, but certainly with some, there does seem to be a lack of, of respect. And is that going into the schools? It, it probably is. I know certainly what always shocks me, and I don't think it's the same in this country, but if you watch any of those television programmes that are based in, in secondary schools in the United Kingdom, in England, in in the main, you know where they do these fly on the wall, where they're educating young people, and the lack of disrespect in the classrooms, and it's nothing to do with, you know, I remember somebody saying, ah, they're they're only playing up like that because the cameras are on, and there is, it's not because the cameras are on all of the time, filming these programs, and obviously the schools and the parents agree to have their young people filmed, but the lack of respect is just, you know, I don't think we're gone as bad as that in this country. But we are getting to the stage where there just doesn't seem to be any consequences. And I think that's what most people are picking up on with the incident that happened on the streets of Cork City on Friday night. And this new word for us, this organised delinquency. And people are tying it in with then on Halloween when those young people got on the bus and the female bus driver and they threatened to rape her and that was just the most awful scene to have witnessed for her in particular but I imagine anybody else was on the bus and even I remember even being feeling a little bit uncomfortable with the way it was you know an inspector came on and a member from Garda Chicana and they couldn't get these young people to calm down and get them off the bus and then they eventually had to be escorted off the bus onto another bus I mean what would be wrong with just kicking them off the bus and say, right, you've got no respect for anybody here, then make your own way home. Now, I know we we'll probably have mothers and fathers on saying, oh, and then my poor Johnny had to walk and anything could have, could have happened to them. But if they're not going to show respect to the bus driver, then they don't deserve to be driven home by anyone else. And that's, you know, nobody got arrested, as far as I know, in that particular incident. And certainly nobody got arrested on Friday night. And that's what a lot of people are saying. Why, you know, why... And if the young people know they're not going to be arrested and if they know there's going to be no consequences, are we ever going to stop? Are we ever going to see, you know, will we completely lose law and order uh, in this country? But uh, it's interesting to see the amount of commentary coming in from people saying they this is the future. You know, these are the young people who are going to be our future leaders in this country. But let's not tire them all with the one brush. There are many wonderful, wonderful young people out there who are who are terrific and, and are doing the best that they can uh, do. 1850-333-103. John Paul, taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103 with a reminder that we want you to text the word diary along with your name and address if you would like to be in with a chance of winning one of the Get Up and Go diaries that will pop in the post to you if you're one of the lucky five. Uh, but that's by text to 0862-103-103. 
The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Donnerail Active Retirement Group, they are meeting this afternoon at three. That's in the Community Centre. Arts and Crafts started two. All are welcome. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service are holding a donor clinic. That's in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen. That's between five and half past eight tonight. While the Mallow ICA Fashion Show, that's on at eight o'clock tonight in the Social Services Hall. Clothes are by Paco and all are welcome. There will be a bucket collection in Mallow this Wednesday from 9am to 6pm. And it's in aid of the Bumbulance as the Children's Ambulance Service. Volunteer collectors are wanted, please, if you can help out. Can you contact Margaret at 86 2580755. A gala Christmas floral demonstration by Margaret Collins from Carlo will be held in Cool Carrow House in McCroom on Thursday night. That starts at 8. It's supporting McCroom Community Hospital. Tickets available from 087 982 And National School are holding a fundraising fashion show in the Fergus Hotel in Mitchellstown this Friday night with a half seven start. Tickets are available from the school or by calling 086 3747826. Okay, some people want to, when I mentioned sports and wishing people well. Somebody said, would you say well done? And young people in particular, because there's been enough knocking of young people with what happened in Cork City, because we're saying they're not all the same. Well done to our Mornabi ladies. They won their game yesterday, says Mary. Also to Kilshanik, who won the Junior A football final. It was all about Kilshanik yesterday, for sure. Uh, lots of love and congratulations to Mary in Mallow. And Mikey and Betty DeLay want to wish Clannagale congratulations to them on winning uh, yesterday. And there was somebody else sent in a text in the middle of all the diary text to say congratulations and well done to Dunamore Ladies Football on winning the junior semi-final. Please God, they'll go all the way. And that comes in from uh, Anne. Thank you for that, Anne. Joan Infomoy was on to us about businesses closing in for Moy because we were speaking with great sadness this morning to hear that the Grand Hotel in for Moy ceased business yesterday and then that led to other people talking about other businesses that have closed in for Moy and how we need to shop local not just for for Moy but for all of our towns we just in the lead, particularly the lead up to Christmas when people will spend more money than they do at any other time of the year to make sure that you're spending that money in local shops please Joan says one of the biggest problems Joan feels in for Moy we have too many of the same shops it's causing long-term shops to close. Surely when somebody is opening a shop, the council should check to see if there's a similar shop there in the first place. No point in having the same shops, maybe four of them, all selling the same items on the same street. Now, I don't know if what Joan is talking about. Is it like discount stores? Is, is that what it is? Because you'll find that sometimes in the centre of towns when the shops that have been there for many, many years and they go out of business and then they get replaced and they all seem to be get replaced with what you know we traditionally call the pound shops, the, the discount stores. Or another one is bookmakers. It all seems to be betting shops seem to open up all over the place. Now, I don't know what happens or how that happens when the council decides 
or do the council have a role to play? Can they say no to, say for example, a discount store? No, you can't open because we already have three on that same street. I don't know if council actually do that uh, or not. 1850 uh, Prescription sunglasses were lost in a black case in the Mallow Castle walkway. Anyone who found them, if you can contact us here, please, at the radio station, uh, 1850 Will we wrap up our Get Up and Go diaries? Have I, and I'd get, I can call out the winners uh, before we take the break into Annalisa. You can stop texting us on that, uh, please. Uh, we have a huge, I'm just scrolling down through there are pages and pages of people. Everybody wanted to get their hands on one of these Get Up and Go diaries and we'll announce the winners now in a couple of minutes and you can either keep it for yourself or you can send it on to uh, pass it on to a loved one as you say they do they really do make lovely lovely Christmas presents and they're kind of one of those things once you get one once you'll want one every year that's for sure I've, that's what there, since I first came across the Get Up and Go Drivers many many years ago now I find year on year it's the only diary that I want to have because it just kind of puts a smile on my face uh, every year and every day in the month as, as I'm going through the year now Mairead wants a completely different topic and we'll put it out there we mightn't get to it today but we'll put it out there it'll give it food for thought for people and we might put it up on our social media as well and see what other people are thinking about this Mairead wants to know a topic for you Patricia when is it too early to put up your Christmas tree and your Christmas decorations? Can you believe it that some people have theirs already up and more are putting it up this week? I think, says Moraid, that the 8th of December is plenty of time. That was always the traditional day to do it. I'd be really interested, to Moraid, says Moraid, to find out what your other listeners think about it. And you are right, there are people who have their homes fully decorated with Christmas trees and the baubles and the tinsels and they have everything up. I know the first time we mentioned it was the last week before last, after Halloween, we heard of people who were putting up their Christmas decorations as soon as... Halloween was gone. Now they to me are people who are fanatical about Christmas and who have literally every single room in the house decorated. I heard for example of somebody was talking on a, on a different radio station some from up the country was talking about you know work began soon as Halloween was over work began on decorating the house but he had a Christmas tree in every single house four bedroomed house each of the children had a full Christmas tree inside in their bedroom. Oh God thought of it and uh, every room was decorated so in order to make sure that the house was looking wonderful and festive they had no choice but to start as soon as Halloween was over and it probably took them the bones of a month to be fully decorated but Marie there are you are right there are a number of people who go at it early but when is too early? My fear, I, I think you're right on the on the 8th of December. I think the 8th of December is certainly a good date. Put them up and then they're up for the bones of a month. I think to me that's enough. I know we used to have a kind of a tradition in our house that we put them up in and around when the, the Late Late Toy Show was on, which was usually around that the weekend of the 8th. It was usually the Friday or the Saturday night before the 8th or whatever came closest was when definitely when Uncle Gabo used to do it. That's what used to happen. But then I know they came under a lot of RTE came under a lot of criticism saying that they were doing the toy show too late. That children already had their lists made out and parents would have already bought their 
whatever they needed for the children. And then, of course, the toy show came on and suddenly Johnny or Mary wanted to change what they had on Santa Claus's list and it caused a bit of confusion. So that's why they brought it back to the end of November. But yeah, to me, the 8th of December, well, we'll put it out there and as I say, I'll get John Paul to put it up on social media as well later on and we'll see what kind of a reaction that we get. When is too early to put up your Christmas decorations and would you be with Mirage that the 8th of December from then on is uh, plenty of time. Okay, the winners for our Get Up and Go Diaries. Congratulations. And Get Up and Go Diary for 2020 winging its way to Catherine O'Shea in Mill Street. Congratulations. Catherine, Kieran O'Connor in Carrigaline. Zelda McAuliffe is in Canturk. Antoinette Walsh is in Mogili. And Sarah Fitzgerald is in Skibbereen. Congratulations. And we do have more of the diaries to give away because Brenton has been very kind in giving us more diaries. But we'll hold on to them and we will give you those diaries closer to Christmas because some of them are diaries for, for children and, and, and that. So we will we'll do that closer to Christmas. But congratulations to all of our winners today and thank you to everybody who took time out to text us. OK, let me take a break and then we are back with Annalise Drissel, a nutritional therapist. If you have a question for Annalise if you're looking for advice, 1850-333-103 or you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C-103 hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Anthems. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's greatest hits, C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Annalise Russell, our nutritional therapist from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic on this miserable Monday, uh, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. Uh, and you are very welcome. It is a miserable day. Is it the same in Balancolic? Well, in between showers, the sun is shining. So at the moment, it's shining. Okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, we, we, it's had, we had a shining, we had a shining earlier and now it's miserable again. Yeah. It's dull and dreary and whatever. But that's what's forecast, unfortunately. Okay, let's get straight into questions. James and Clonakilty. Would Annalise have advice on how to treat and prevent a severe hive outbreak? I've tried eliminating certain foods like sugar, tomatoes, nuts and fruit, but to no avail. I do take a probiotics and supplements, but nothing seems to work. Ooh. Yes, so that's a difficult one, Patricia, because like it's generally urticaria is often the name for it, um, breaking out in hives or a rash. And often it's triggered by, so we have cells called mast cells. And if these degranulate, in other words, if they burst open, they release a lot of histamine. And this causes kind of things like hives and rashes. It can also cause runny eyes and runny nose. So it'll be different for different people. So there's something that is, instigating and triggering that 
degranulation of the mast cells. And trying to figure it out is the challenge. But I actually, the first thing I would say to people is if this is something that has just occurred and you never had a problem with it throughout your life, look at your medication. Because it can be a side effect of certain medications. And some people, even if you've been on that medication for years, you may have just recently switched over to a generic version of the medication and maybe it's that one that doesn't suit you. So that's always something worth checking out because it's a lot more common than you would expect. Um, so natural treatment for it would be actually the stinging nettle, um, which is also the Latin name of it is urticarius. And you can get that in any health shop, either in tincture form or in tablet form. And this seems to work as a kind of a mass cell stabilizer. Other things that would work as well are the essential um, omega-3, essential fatty acids. So your fish oil supplements, get one that's very high in EPA is what you're looking for. Um, the brands that would be good would be the uh, Nordic Naturals or the Unocardio is an excellent one as well. So you're looking again for something that's high in EPA in your fish oil and you probably won't notice the benefit of that for at least six weeks but Stick with the fish oils because long term they can be great for kind of modulating the immune system function. Other things that can work then are natural antihistamines. So you're looking again at nettle is as a natural antihistamine, vitamin C and quercetin. Quercetin is one of the best ones as a natural antihistamine and mast cell protector. So again, most health shops will have um, a particular supplement that will be a blend possibly of the quercetin and the stinging nettle with vitamin C. So take something like that but I think ultimately you're really going to need to identify your trigger. Okay, hi. A question for Annalise. My daughter is losing hair when brushing or washing her hair. She is slightly dairy and gluten intolerant and has changed her diet. She eats fish or chicken and as much organic as possible. No red meat or anything dairy. Thanking you hair loss? Yeah, so one of the first things I would check there would be um, if there's no red meat, would she be low in iron? Because low iron will make you feel tired, but also it can be responsible for hair loss. So that would be the first thing. Go and have your blood checked by the doctor. Uh, B12 could also possibly be low if you're not a big meat eater. Uh, Other reasons for hair loss would be thyroid function. So people will notice um, uh, Losing eyebrow hair actually is quite a common sign of low thyroid function. But they'll also probably notice other things like, you know, feeling tired. The whole system may be sluggish, so maybe suffering from constipation, feeling cold, inability to kind of warm up. They would be typical thyroid and low thyroid function symptoms. Other reasons can be hormonal. Um, So a lot of women will notice during pregnancy that their hair thins um, and otherwise during menopause, hair can change as well. So in terms of trying to support healthy hair growth, uh, besides a good healthy diet, it is important to kind of figure out, is it a hormonal issue and work at that level? Or is it a thyroid issue? Work at that level. But certain supplements can be of benefit. One of the best ones for strong, healthy hair and nails is biotin. And the, um, you can need to take that in a fairly high dose, ideally about 5,000 uh, milligrams of biotin a day. And I find that this is great for hair quality. The one that's probably best for thinning hair, where it's thinning and not growing back, is Norcrin. Um, this is kind of a patented marine protein that they found, found that seems to instigate the, the, the growth of the follicles that have gone in dormancy 
and get them start kick-started and growing back again. So uh, the Norcrin is expensive, but actually in terms of feedback from customers with thinning hair, Norcrin works best, whereas the, the biotin and silica is another good one for hair as well. They tend to work better for hair quality. But make sure you try and get the underlying issue sorted out first. Okay, Anne says, my daughter gets sores on the cartilage between her two nostrils. Could Annalise advise anything? Yeah, so, gosh, I don't know, what could be causing that now? If it was the corners of the mouth, immediately you could say B vitamin because it's a typical sign of a B deficiency. So uh, possibly a B vitamin might help here. Um, If it's a cold sore, uh, that would be a different issue. Taking something like L-lysine is wonderful to prevent getting cold sores if you get them on a regular basis. So it's just an amino acid, so it's really safe with all medication to take. You want to take 1,000 milligrams of L-lysine every day to prevent cold sores. And if you feel one coming on, you can take it up to six times a day, and it can sort of suppress the virus from coming out at all. Um, and certainly will help, you know, make the cold sore come up smaller and quicker to heal. Um, so if it's a if it's a cold sore, that's the way to go. And if can you get a cold sore there, just on your nose? Yes, actually, can I used to get cold sores all the time on my lips, but now recently, in the last couple of years, they're all on my nose. Ah, and they're so painful. It's quite common. Yeah, painful and very slow to heal up there as well because it's a very damp environment. So yeah, they don't heal well. I've found if it is a cold sore, the um, the biopropolis is the best one to take the pain out and to kind of speed up the healing. So that's the third thing I would say to this lady is maybe, um, and it's great anyway for sort of sores that just are slow to heal. Biopropolis comes from the bees. They collect it from the trees and it's a very powerful antiviral, antibacterial and healing compound. They use it a lot in their own hives, um, you know, to protect and kind of, I suppose, to sanitize the hive. So that's why it's got such amazing healing properties. So even if it isn't a cold sore, if it's just a sore from blowing, that biopropolis cream would be wonderful for healing. Uh, Linda says, I have severe dermatitis. Is there anything you could recommend that could help? Okay, so I'm not sure where it is. Um, if it was on the hands, I'd be saying, take a look at either what your, you know, the chemicals that you're using for cleaning, or would it be if you're using rubber gloves and wearing them a lot, would it be a latex allergy? Um, if it's all over the body, it Again, it tends, dermatitis tends to come as a reaction to something either in the environment that you're using on your body or something that you're eating, like an eczema type of dermatitis. Uh, one of the best creams in terms of my customers' feedback is the Salcura Derma Spray or Zeoderm Cream. So you'll get those in most health shops. And the, the name again is Salcura is the brand, S-A-L-C-U-R-A. And it comes in a spray that's really, really soothing for dry and broken skin. Uh, that's called Derma Spray, and the Zeoderm comes as a cream. And the aim of these is that they help to restore the essential fats so that the barrier of the skin that kind of waterproofs our skin and keeps the cell intact um, is restored. Taking a fish oil is a great way as well of making sure that that barrier works from the inside out. So the more sort of good fats that you have in the membrane of the skin cell, the better the waterproofing and the barrier of it is and the less likely it is to become broken and dry and irritated. So taking a fish oil supplement and using the um, derma spray or the zeoderm might be the best way to go if you can pin down what's causing it. Helen in Skibbereen says she has continuous problems with her lungs and that she's constantly getting infect- infections. Is there anything she can do to strengthen her lungs? She's not a smoker, by the way. Well done, Helen. Yeah, so 
A couple of things there, Patricia, I suppose I'd suggest. The first thing is that a lot of people will notice that dairy creates a lot of mucus when they eat it. Um, so have a look at that. Maybe do a, a dairy-free week where you cut out all milk, cheese, cream, ice cream and butter. Replace it with maybe something like oat milk um, and sunflower spread on your bread and your butter if you need it. Um, and just see, does that help with the production of mucus? Do you feel that you're swallowing less mucus or that you're less kind of caught in your throat? Uh, and if that is the case, then long term, maybe considering a dairy free diet would help. Another way of strengthening the lungs is the salt pipe. Now, this is kind of like going into those salt caves, Patricia. It's basically a, either a plastic or ceramic pipe as such. And inside it is very fine salt crystals. And the idea is that you breathe and inhale air through the salt crystals, through the pipe, into your lungs. Um, and this, the salt itself can help dry up mucus. But it also, salt is a great um, antibacterial. It's great for killing off bacteria. So it keeps the lungs clear of mucus and it can also clear any bacteria that might be lingering in there and lurking in there. And the key with the salt pipe is consistency. So you have to do it regularly. I would say 15 minutes every evening when you sit down to watch a bit of TV, just do it every evening and do it at the same time. Leave it there on the table in the front room where you're going to be sitting down so you don't forget to do it. And then there are herbs that are great for drying up mucus you're looking at things like sage ivy thyme um, dr dealish claire does a wonderful blend called mucotone it used to be called previously the chest and sinus blend and that's a blend of herbs that will dry up the, the mucus but also things like echinacea that will help boost your immune system's fighting capability so a combination of those should definitely strengthen the lungs i've lots of customers that have avoided hospital visits for the last few years with that. Well done. Well done. And uh, we mentioned cold sores, but Ashley is suffering from cold sores and mouth ulcers. She says she's getting them all the time, finding it very difficult to get rid of them. She's tried all sorts of over-the-counter creams and tablets. Uh, what would you recommend? And are cold sores and mouth ulcers, would they be linked in any way? They're, they're not linked as of themselves in that the cold sores down to the herpes simplex virus. virus. Yeah. So that virus lies dormant. But when you're run down you can develop mouth ulcers. And when ah. you run down, the virus can flare. So it would be um, a sign that possibly you've just been, you just need maybe a good tonic. So the Source of Life Gold is a great tonic for just giving you a great boost of energy, immune booster, and a nutritional sort of boost. So try that as a tonic to build yourself up. Um, another thing that's really good for um, for mouth ulcers is taking a zinc supplement. That can be very useful as well. And particularly this time of year, vitamin C or zinc are brilliant to take as a kind of an immune um, support just to help your own immune system through the winter months. Vitamin D is another one. I think we all should be on a vitamin D this time of year now. I always say clock change to clock change. So the clock's changed there at the end of October. So start your vitamin D supplement now. And then the last thing I'd say for this person would be Look to change your, tooth your toothpaste to one that doesn't have sodium lauryl sulfate. So a lot of people actually tend to be allergic to the sodium lauryl sulfate. It's a foaming agent, so you'll find it in a lot of shampoos and in toothpaste. So get a natural toothpaste in your um, local health shop and you'd be amazed for people who suffer from mouth ulcers, you'd be amazed for how many people it's as simple as changing your toothpaste to something without the sodium lauryl yeah, sulfate. I, I can vouch for that after yeah. one day you mentioned it, I started developing mouth ulcers and the only thing different I'd done was I changed toothpastes yeah. and uh, once I changed back and it was, it was I couldn't get, I just couldn't believe it, couldn't believe it because I'd never suffered with mouth ulcers before. Now Mike is in a dilemma in that I'm assuming this is just happening 
happened. He used his father's razor to shave his face and he's ended up now with his face is very sore. Uh, what, what can he put on for uh, on the skin? It's quite okay, sore at the moment. Very gentle with the skin. Maybe just some aloe vera gel just to take the heat out of it to cool it and it's also very moisturising and very, very soothing for the skin. So try and get 99% pure aloe vera gel in a health shop. It'll only cost you about five or six quid and just put that on at the moment. Stay away from anything that has got any uh, perfumes or chemicals in it. Even just a bit of olive oil for moisturising at night if you feel it's getting very dry. But definitely the aloe vera gel for taking that burning heat out of it. Okay, and I can see a couple of questions. They're all quite similar. For males and females, I can see uh, to do with dry scalp, scalp, Maura sums it up best. The top of my head has gone very dry. Uh, what can I do? It's the, the scalp has gone very dry. Okay, so... Generally, for dry scalp, I think it's either one of two issues. One is it's a dermatitis, or two, it's a fungal issue. So if it's a dermatitis, look to your shampoo. Have you changed your shampoo recently, or have you changed your hair colour, or have they even changed the shampoo and the hairdressers? And switch to one without sodium laurel sulfate. So you'll need to go into your health shop for that. It's not good enough to get one without perfumes. It's the sodium laurel sulfate that is mostly the culprit here. So most of the health shops will have one that ha- doesn't have that in there so that would be a good good thing to do uh, try first and if that doesn't work then it possibly could be fungal so fungal is like a kind of a dandruff type thing Patricia and I think the best thing for that is to use grapefruit seed extract as a liquid so it's called citricidal is the name that you'll buy it under in the health shop um, a company by Higher Nature Make It and it comes in a little bottle and basically the best way to do it at the start is to kind of massage it into little into uh, sorry dilute about 10 to 15 drops into some small bit of warm water and massage it into the scalp and leave it sit there for about 15 minutes before you wash your hair and continue doing that two or three times a week until you've cleared the issue and then after that all you need to do is add those drops in with your general shampoo and that should keep the dandruff at bay. Okay, we'll leave it there and at least have a lovely week. We'll chat again next Monday. Thanks for joining us. That is Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic and some texts coming in reacting to Maraid, wasn't it? Who wanted to know when is too early to put up your Christmas tree and Christmas decorations? She can't get over the number of people who are fully decorated already. She always believes the 8th of December uh, was the date for her. Lou sent in a WhatsApp. She was driving so she sent in a voice message saying in her house the tradition always is on the day of the toy show. It kind of It's a tradition that they, they always do and she continues with that. Somebody says oh for God's sake it's up to everyone when they want to decorate their own house and it depends on how much you have to put up. Some people only have the bare amount while others might have a huge amount to decorate so they're going to need the time but it's up to individual households. Breather says I was hoping I would win a diary but no luck uh, with the diary uh, but it would but it makes everything every day more better, says Breather. Sorry, that was to do with the diary one. Sorry. Uh, what harm is it in putting up your decorations early, says the texter. If it makes people happy, that's my Mitchellstown listener. Uh, decorate as soon as you can. It makes people happy. It cheers people up, says Breather. Oh, I knew there was a text in Breather just saying decorate early. OK, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul. Uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.